Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Actually, I'm not here with my co-host. He's on the air with me, but he's in Vermont. Lou, how are you? Chilly. A nice, cool 30-some-odd degrees. And how are you doing in oh. sunny Atlanta? Oh, we're doing great down here. We have a little uh, uh, rain over here, but that's not too bad. Uh, we actually have a very interesting show today because in previous shows we've talked about the the talent shortage, and that's really a gap in the number of people coming into the workforce that are in what they call the millennial age group, which is 18 to 32. And we're going to be sharing with our listeners the results of a national survey of manufacturers called an industry market barometer. It's an annual survey conducted by ThomasNet, uh, the leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. Before we introduce our guests, however, uh, Lou, you had a couple of comments you wanted to share with our listeners. Yeah, a postscript uh, from uh, last uh, last week's show uh, uh, regarding uh, the um, the Institute of Supply Management uh, PMI number, the Purchasing Managers Index number, which was a, a crisp 58.7, which was 0.3 tenths below the high for the year. So it's not really a it's not really a drop. It's just uh, meandering around near the top. So that's a terrific number, and it's consistent with all the other reports that we're hearing, and it's going to be consistent with the report that we're going to be hearing from ThomasNet today, except for one or two uh, glitches uh, that uh, ThomasNet sees on the horizon. But if you want to uh, go to last week's show, I'm sorry, this week's show is on Tuesday, uh, and listen to uh, Brad Holcomb uh, talk about that. Plus the fact uh, Tim and I had a news commentary segment of the show for about 15 minutes, and we were talking about the Los Angeles West Coast port slowdown slash shutdown. And uh, we have the making of uh, an economic crisis in this country. Uh, because of uh, the ports uh, not unloading and shipping goods out of the country and receiving goods into the com- into the country, so we have a real problem. And unfortunately, none of the mainstream media is picking up on it. So it was left to Tim and I to do it. And uh, I suggest that uh, if you have anything to do with anything about the import or export, certainly listen to that. It's in the last 15 minutes of that show. So, uh, without further ado, uh, Tim, why don't you do the intros? Okay, great. Uh, we're going to be talking about the survey that looks at what manufacturers like you are thinking. Uh, what's going right, your challenges, forecasts, and more. Today, we're delighted to have three guests who will be sharing their thoughts on some critical issues. Uh, if not addressed soon, we'll threaten our industry's future growth, and that uh, is, as we go through them here, Give me a moment. Uh, Linda Regano, Executive Director of Media Relations with ThomasNet, is back with us and will share the highlights of this year's industry market barometer. And joining us are two manufacturers, Kevin Wolf, who's General Manager of Powell Manufacturing and Engineering in Phoenix, and Karen Norheim, Executive Vice President of American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania. Uh, how is everyone today? Very good. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Kevin? Happy to be here. Great. And is Linda is Linda on the horn with us? This is Dawn Ringle, and I, of course, work very closely with Linda on behalf of ThomasNet, and I'm delighted to uh, join the show uh, as, as Linda also gets ready to join us. Oh, great. Okay. So, Dawn, we'll throw a few questions your way while we are waiting for Linda to join us. Absolutely. Um, and are you uh, are comfortable enough with the uh, industry market barometer survey that you can kind of give uh, some of the highlights for the survey, or should we wait for I, Linda to do that? I, I'm certainly happy to provide some of the highlights. I'm very comfortable with it. Great. Why don't you go ahead and give those to our listeners, and then we can kind of bounce things back and forth around with uh, Karen and uh, Kevin. 
Okay, well, that's great. And thank you so much for your interest in this information, which is really vital to the North American manufacturing sector. I should just start by letting your listeners know that this is our seventh industry market barometer. Uh, the barometer highlights important issues and trends for the whole North American manufacturing sector. And one of the reasons that it's so important is it's the only survey of its kind. Most of the respondents to the survey come from smaller companies, reflecting the makeup of the manufacturing industry, which is mostly smaller companies. And what do we mean by that? We mean by companies with up to 100 employees and less than $25 million in revenues. And this, this was the majority of the respondents to this year's survey. And these are respondents who really understand what is happening and hold the purse strings. They're primarily owners, executives, and general managers. Close to 500 North American manufacturers responded to this year's research, and we're talking here about manufacturers of durable and non-durable products, as well as custom manufacturing services companies. So we really do reflect the heart of the manufacturing sector. So Would you John, like me to talk? Find, yeah, uh, what did you find in this year's survey? You say that manufacturers are enjoying, enjoying forward momentum, and we see that in the ISM uh, reports that have been coming out all year long. Uh, but also we're beginning to see issues talked about as a perfect language threatened to the future. What did you mean what did we mean by the forward momentum? We really are seeing a lot of good news when it comes to forward momentum. We see that manufacturing really is making a comeback in America. There is a growth engine, and that growth engine is in high gear. Companies are growing, they're hiring, they're investing back into their businesses to capitalize on what's ahead for the industry to survive, though, even with all that's happening, there, all the fundamentals must be in place. And one mission-critical piece is missing, and that is a robust pipeline of workers. So, yes, we agree with the ISM. We agree that manufacturing is moving ahead on all cylinders. There is so much opportunity out there. But we are also raising some alarms. Last year, we talked about a ticking biological clock in manufacturing. This year, we really see alarm bells happening. There is a perfect storm that's brewing that our research also really helped to emphasize. And that is this. Manufacturers who are dominated by the baby boomer generation are retiring without succession plans. They really need millennials who we segment into the 18 to 32 age group to meet current and future demand, but they're not making enough of an effort to bring them in. And negative perceptions are compounding the problem and keeping younger workers from this industry. So even at this time of incredible optimism, Closing gaps between baby boomers and millennials is critical to making this this opportunity continue to just widen full force. Sure, I mean any, any company you know, we we always talk about here at American Crane um, about we're only as good as our people, and I think many businesses um, reflect that. And and that being said, we need to make sure that we have this robust pipeline. To fill the the coming um, holes in our our potential um, uh, hiring, um, we are lucky enough that at this point we haven't had, you know, we've been able to fill the positions, but it keeps get diff getting more and more difficult. Um, so it's time for us to make sure, you know, we've been ramping up our efforts and and targeting specifically some of the the millennial generation um, by trying to reach out with you know career fairs and internships and. You know, using our own voices, I've started blogging about manufacturing and really just becoming brand ambassadors for Amer for manufacturing, getting out while we're passionate about being a part of it, and trying to attract these millennials and remove these sort of stigmas that have been associated so long with manufacturing. 
And I agree with that, Karen. This is Dawn. And, and Lou and Tim, um, I apologize if we could not hear your question um, back here, but I suspect that you were asking for more insights in terms of the growth, more specifics on, on, of the growth and how that makes it even more crucial to get the talent pipeline in place. Is that correct? Is that what you were looking for? Yes. What's the growth that you're seeing on, on all cylinders, if you will? Okay, so let let me just tell you, because we really are excited about all the positive news that we did hear and see uh, through our data. For the third consecutive year, we see business trending up for manufacturers. More than half of the people that we surveyed grew in 2013, and 63%, almost two-thirds, expect to grow by the end of 2014. So those are positive numbers in themselves. And manufacturers are doing a lot to enjoy this growth, and they're seeing the growth manifest itself in many ways. They are seeing more business in core existing markets. Almost all of them are reporting that. About half of them are seeing an increase in the average value of their accounts, which is fantastic. And they are seeing that their new product and service offerings are allowing them to grow as well. And this growth and all this selling isn't just taking place here in the in the North America. It's also taking place overseas. Nearly eight out of ten of them are doing business there. One third of them expect that business to increase. And they have really figured out, if you will, a formula for making that happen year over year, and they're building on that this year. Their websites, very interestingly, are top of the list for what is helping them to grow, both in the U.S. and abroad. They're also expanding their sales force. They're continuing to exploit events and trade shows, to have great customer service initiatives in place, and to build on their distributed ne- distributor network. So everything is just helping them to go gangbusters. And because they're confident in what's going to happen in the future, they're scaling up. They're investing in capital equipment. They're optimizing operations. They're upgrading their facilities. And to Karen's point again about the workforce, they're doing everything that they can to make sure that their existing people are prepared for what's ahead and they're getting new people in. 94% of them, almost 100%, will devote resources to developing and retraining their people. And 52% of them expect to be hiring in the next several months. And that is 10 percentage points more than our last IMB when we reported on 42% hiring. And this hiring is everywhere. Manufacturers need people in manufacturing and production management. They need line workers. They need skilled trade workers. They need engineers. And for all of these positions, they are really looking for people with training and with experience that they can just plug in and just put to work. Uh, Don, this this is Lou. Uh, I have a question for you that uh, I don't know if you would have seen this in your survey or not. I didn't see anything pertaining to it, but I did hear about this uh, quite recently. Regarding apprenticeships, uh, a good many of the apprenticeship programs that are running in this country are unpaid jobs. And it seems as though that the IRS has uh, an issue about that and that they are going to be looking to impose uh, certain minimum salaries to uh, apprentice uh, apprenticeships and that's going to be a negative to the manufacturer who uh, in some cases are deciding not to hire or bring on apprentice uh, because uh, they're going to actually have to be paying for them uh, have you run across that issue or any of you uh, online have, have you heard this before we did not ask about that particular issue in our survey. And, in fact, one of the things that really was encouraging to us, because we do feel that the talent pipeline is such an important issue, is that where it was applicable, 
for custom manufacturers, for instance, there was this universal move toward apprenticeships. Uh, there were there was a large percentage of companies that are putting them into place or that do have them in place. And so, no, the issue about payment didn't come up, but certainly this does seem to be something that our respondents valued in terms of really filling some of the skills gaps within their workplace, getting people who are trained and who, and who can help them. And Karen and Kevin, I know that you also do interesting things just to get people in to provide them with on-the-job training, whether it's called apprenticeship or not. Um, I just We were very encouraged to see what our results regarding apprenticeships and to talk with people like Kevin and Karen who are very progressive in the ways that they are also filling gaps. I know that uh, Karen has an issue uh, with regards to the perceived attitude of the millennials and their work ethic. Uh Karen, you want to you want to jump in on that? I, you, I gave you, you the cue. You picked right up on my soft spot, you know? The <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it irks me. Um I'm, you know, I constantly am hearing this uh they have no work ethic. Uh you know, they come in, they they feel entitled, all these different things. And I just don't believe that to be true. I think that we all need to take a look at ourselves and realize that this is probably just an age perception. Um, I'm a Gen Xer, and I know that the same kind of things were said about me when I arrived to the workforce. Um, and I think it's just a, um, a generational thing of, of looking at different age groups. I think that millennials provide this amazing perspective that any business would want to integrate. Here you have a group of um potential workers who have grown up in the technology age where I mean now you no longer can you just be you know um no longer can you just be the skilled laborer on the shop floor. You have to, you're gonna have to integrate with technology. The engineer has to integrate with technology. You know, every everybody uh, service tech has to integrate with technology. You can't get away from it. So now you have this workforce who, that's coming in that has grown up with it, and they to them it's just second second uh, second nature. So by having that perspective, it you know it plays into a competitive advantage for a company. I'm a big believer in the more perspectives you have on a problem, the better the solution is. So. If you have an accident in the middle of an intersection and you're trying to figure out what happened, you want people on all four corners. So for me, that if I translate it to the business, I want people from millennials, from super experienced workers I have here, from different backgrounds, different areas, all looking at the problems that, that I need to solve or we need to solve in our business. And millennials can be a great piece to have more effective problem solving and be, you know, to help be a competitive advantage for any business. Tim and I were down at the Fabtech show in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, and we saw huge, huge pieces of equipment that are literally being operated on iPads. And who could better yep. handle an iPad or an iPhone or whatever piece of equipment is in your pocket uh, than a millennial. And uh, they, they're, the, they're the best ones to be able to handle that type of uh, uh, technology. And, I, I, you know, I have an IT side to my background, um, and, you know, it's all of those things, the, the iPad, the iPhone technology, that tablet technology, even gaming technology is starting to come in and be a, play into it. I mean, we're going to eventually see where you're going to have workers on your shop floor that are wearing Google Glasses-esque things, maybe smart helmets, and they're going to need to be able to interact. And so, yeah, you've got this great, this great sort of uh, generation that has had that all around them, so... Well, that's uh, that's going to be an interesting change to watch. I know that uh, I'm looking forward next week to uh, a new piece of technology coming into my home. I'm, I'm getting a rotary dial telephone that's going to show up here. Uh, <laughs> uh, and when we come back from commercial break, I want to talk with Kevin briefly about uh, and a, kind of a bittersweet experience he's having at uh, Powell Manufacturing in Phoenix, Arizona. 
But let's take a commercial break, and we'll hear a few words from our sponsors. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. It's no secret that manufacturers are having trouble filling jobs. Now, with ThomasNet's new job board, help is on the way. For manufacturers, ThomasNetJobs.com is the go-to resource to recruit new talent. Post your jobs and get in front of thousands of potential employees. Or, if you're looking for a new job or you want to reinvent yourself, ThomasNetJobs.com offers exciting opportunities from the shop floor to the C-suite in supply chain management, engineering, production, or sales. Remember... ThomasNetJobs.com. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at SteelForge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And before the break, uh, just before the break, we were going to speak with Kevin Wolf of Powell Manufacturing. He's the general manager of kind of a bittersweet experience he's having out in Phoenix. Uh, Kevin, why don't you share that with our audience? I think that's a really fascinating uh, situation that you find yourself in. Well, we found that we can, uh, we're primarily an aerospace company doing machine components out of exotic materials. And our machinist, uh, the type of work that we do is a little bit hard to find. It always has been, but now more so than ever. So we, uh, I should say I kind of sat and tried to think out of the box. And we have a motorcycle mechanics institute that's relatively close to us. And who better to maybe try out. They had some basic mechanical skills, and we've done it about three times over the past three and a half years. And my thought on it was that they paid to go to school for a career, and we're not trying to take them away from that, but finding out that it was a little bit difficult for them to get jobs in the motorcycle industry right away um, might have provided us with a little opportunity. So my speech to them was, you paid to go to school, we're going to pay you to go to school for a second career now. So what we've found is that the success rate that we've had with it, they still maintain their original schooling career. They work on motorcycles after work. Um, and we've we've got some good machinists out of it. We even have someone that's a engineer programmer, one that's a uh, supervisor of an entire lathe area. So... It, the success rate is not what we want it to be, but it's working. Well, you're not too far from the Bonneville Salt Flats where those guys uh, attach a jet engine to their motorcycle to see how fast they can really go. There you go, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, Karen, I know that you've been expanding your plant operations. Uh, do you also have difficulty finding people to put in place? Um, well, we have expanded um, we, we, what, our facility. We've been holding steady in overall growth uh, for 2014, but we are expecting more growth in 2015 and beyond. So we have added on a new building. We've been investing in new machinery and sort of getting ready for um, what we see as uh, a raise in demands in the future. Um, we've been lucky enough so far to be able to fill the positions that we need to. We're lucky to be in an area of Pennsylvania that has a long history of manufacturing, but it's getting mm-hmm. slim pickings, and you know it's going to be continue to be a struggle um, as we go forward. So we're we're trying to we're trying to be more vocal in our local area, um, expanding expanding a little bit farther out too, to just get our name out there and, and start getting people excited about manufacturing and, and realizing that this can really be a great career um, 
whether you decide to go to be an engineer or you decide to, you know, do some sort of, uh, we call it careers in two in my area, to go and get some sort of skilled, um, perhaps welding or machining and um, and uh, and apply that. So uh, we there's hope, but I definitely, it is definitely a concern and it is on our, our radar screen as, as being something that um, we're paying, trying to pay attention to. Uh, Karen, this is Lou. Uh, in beginning of October, uh, Manufacturing Day, was, which was held on October 3rd, they had 1,500 companies throughout the United States that participated in that nationwide event. Uh, by any chance, was your company uh, at all involved in that? Why, yes, we were. We had a wonderful day. Uh, we've been working with our local high school called Exeter High School, um, they are starting what's called Project Lead the Way, which is one a national program that's trying to promote STEM um, across the board. It does everything from, let's say, IT technology to engineering to um, more skilled labor stuff. It has, like, the whole whole gamut. It's really actually has a lot of success rate. If you go to their website, they really um, are doing a good job. So anyway, the Exeter High School has uh, started this program, and this, this year was the first year that they had um, the, the a class, and it was Intro to Engineering. Um, so we had them come on Manufacturing Day uh, with, uh, I think we invited about 55 high school students, and I think we ended up with maybe about 35 who actually came. And, um, and it was wonderful. They came in. We did a presentation. They got to talk to our head of engineering, one of our project managers, as well as myself and our president. And we took them on a shop tour through the whole facility. And it was really, it was really awesome. We actually um, got a lot of positive feedback from them. And on our website at AmericanCrane.com, you can click on the YouTube link and go view a video that the Exeter High School students made about the day that was here. It was it was a great experience, and I think we hope to do more of that. It was the first time we had done that, and I think that's the kind of thing that we're trying to engage um, our local community um, doing stuff like that. Yeah, this was the fourth uh, fourth event of Manufacturing Day, and I believe the number was 115,000 people participated with 1,500 uh, uh, event locations in all 50 states. Boy, I cut that out. Right. Uh, so it was really a, a roaring success. And uh, um, I, I think it was uh, very clever of those who did put that together. It was uh, FMA was uh, one of the leads, I believe, on that. Uh, and uh, we participated to the extent that we had a, uh, a pre-show uh, on October 2, having the three uh, lead leaders of the uh, Manufacturing Day on the show, we talked about uh, what they were doing, and it was a terrific show. We wish them well, and I'm sure we're going to be involved uh, as time goes on uh, in future uh, events. It seemed to be a huge success this year, and uh, I wish well to all those that participated. It sounds excellent. That's so glad for their success, and, and really it's one of the ways – that as a manufacturing company with minimal cost and, and huge reward, you can you can open up your facility, you can encourage youth to get involved in your industry, and you know you have so much good marketing you can use out of this. You know this is the kind of goodwill marketing that you can go and, and talk about and get your name out there, and you're helping. Not only are you helping to get the name out about your company, maybe touch some people to, cause who, who could be future employees or future employees in the engineering. You know, it's just it's across the board. It's a win-win thing to be a part of, and I encourage any manufacturer out there to make sure that next year they participate. I think one of the important things out of uh, this event is to show the the students that manufacturing isn't uh, oily floors and uh, steel scrap on the floor as, as it used to be. Uh, that it's uh, you know becoming cool and sexy. Uh, not even to mention, uh, and we haven't talked about it yet. What are the salary levels for these uh, new people coming into that marketplace? Let me yeah, rephrase. Let me rephrase that. Um, the it is probably the salaries probably are not as low as the millennials think it is. 
Uh, it's probably <laughs> not. I, I do believe that it is a salary. Um, I don't have statistics in front of me, I, um, but I but I know that you can you can make a, a good wage doing that that type of uh, different work, especially for us for skilled labor. Um, you know, we try to make sure our people are taken care of, especially if they have the skills. I'm sure that Kevin can speak to this too. If you have good workers and you're training them and you're investing in them, then you want to keep them. So that includes having good wages, good benefits. You know, whatever you can do to make your your people happy and engaged and and re, and retain them, you try to do as best you can. True, Kevin. You have any uh, contribution on that uh, from your end on uh, uh, compensation for n- new workers and millennial workers? Well, I agree with Karen. You know, uh, if you invest money and time into them, you definitely want to keep them. Um, I do know here that we're competitive uh, in the area. And actually, the guys that we're bringing from the Motorcycle Mechanics Institute, um, based on what the school has told me, we actually start them at a little higher rate than they would in that career. So, John, uh, there's certainly more to this uh, industry market barometer survey, and, and let's take a little deeper look under the hood. In terms of the shortage of millennial talent, what did you pick up from the survey? Because this is something that uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio has been delving into for uh, several months, uh, working with uh, Thomas Nett on this very issue. We've talked to uh, trade associations around the country. We've been to trade shows. Everybody is concerned about the problem. What did you hear in the survey? Okay, I'm so happy that you talked about that because really what we're hearing really says to us that front and center, a shortage of millennial talent is what is the pivotal factor that could make or break the growth of manufacturing in the future. So it's certainly something that's important to continue to delve into. Really what we saw is the ticking biological clock, as we had mentioned before, in manufacturing turning to an alarm, and here is why. As we all know, manufacturing is dominated by the baby boomer generation, as it should be, because the baby boomer generation is a very large generation within the workforce. And this was confirmed by our data. 80% of the respondents to the industry market barometer were between 45 and 65 plus. And nearly half, 49%, are 55 and older. So that sets the foundation. Moving forward, 38% of our respondents are going to retire in 1 to 10 years, so really, really around the corner for some of them. And more than half of them have no succession plan. So what do we do? Because we've got demand growing for current projects, and we expect that demand will increase as we continue to grow. So last year, we reported on the untapped workforce of millennials, and again, we'll just define that as 18 to 32, who are expected to comprise up to 75% of the workforce by the year 2025, not so far away. They can provide the help that we do need now and learn the business before the people who will be retiring do so. But just like what we found last year, they truly are in the minority at most manufacturing workplaces. Six out of ten, 62% of the people we surveyed employ only a small number of millennials. By that we mean that they make up 25% of their or less of their workforce. And even more alarming to us was that a full 8 out of 10, 81% had no explicit plans to increase their millennial workforce. So they know, perhaps in their hearts, that they do need to do some planning and to reach out to keep that workforce replenished, but they're not doing it in a focused way, except, as I mentioned before, with apprenticeships, we truly were encouraged by the apprenticeship statistics that 51% of respondents 
where it made sense for them to have a, an apprenticeship program where it would be applicable to their companies did in fact have a program in place and 23% were planning for them and these were for filling skilled skill gaps in areas like machining, assembly, CNC milling and turning, production, quality control and manufacturing engineering. So there is a movement afoot but it's not sufficient, and that's why we're sounding the alarm. One of the things that we're hearing, and I want to go to Karen on this, and then I want to go to Kevin on this. One of the things that we're hearing is that the compensation levels are too low to attract the millennials into manufacturing. On the other side of the coin, we're hearing that millennials can be making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year depending on what area of the country they're in and who they're with, um, and then flip it again back over, and we're hearing, yes, but those entry-level jobs are $9, $10, $11 an hour, and the millennials simply aren't interested in working at that wage rate. Karen, does your HR director come to you and say, you know, geez, we better raise the salary on that position because I can't get anybody to fill it at X thousand dollars per year? If we weren't having competitive wages, we wouldn't be filling the positions we already have. So our our wages are competitive. Uh, if you are skilled on the shop floor um, uh, uh, machinist or not, you're you're not making nine dollars an hour. You're doing much better. So you know I I I think that there that it's the perception of of people, and this is a possibly part of the negative perception of manufacturing in general that it's just this dirty work and you're and you're on a line and it's the same thing and and you know and they don't get paid well and I think we have to fight to change this perception because um you know that i i definitely do not believe that that is the case um and we we just need to get the word out there that you can make a great salary i mean and there are statistics um for manufacturing in general um which you know have uh that i hate to give you a give you what I'm thinking off the top of my head because I can't back it up at the moment with anything in front of me, but it's well over. I think the average salary is is in the 70s, $70,000 range, at least that's what I think I remember. So, um, you know, it's very, very, um, we're dealing with negative perceptions. We're dealing with um, probably manufacturers not speaking up as much as they should to talk about the kind of careers and things that are out there. And we just have to keep, you know, educating people that these are viable um, well-paid, uh, well um, exciting careers, um, whether you're an engineer and whether you're a welder, um, there are great opportunities out there. We heard, uh, we heard that the uh, – let me just butt in here for a minute, uh, Tim. We heard at the Fabtech show that some of the companies uh, that we were talking to about this particular issue – have found a success rate in terms of uh, motivating and keeping their workers interested is to rotate them from uh, multiple jobs with, on the on the job floor, on the shop floor, where they're they don't do just one job. They might operate two or three or four different machines, and they rotate them around. Uh, is, is that? play a factor in in, in your uh, facilities, uh, Kevin, Karen? It, for us, it's uh, it's kind of difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. When you bring when you bring somebody new in, they don't understand the machine, and it takes it takes uh, you know a year or two to to get a good grip on it. Right. It's very hard for us because of what we do, uh, the cost of the material, the cost of the machines, all of that. Once they're up to speed, and even our our more experienced people do get that opportunity to, you know, move around the shop. So they kind of control their own future with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can control some of your material costs by buying from All Metals and Forge Group, as we already do. <laughs> <laughs> I had a plug. How manufacturing is a proud buyer from All Metals. Uh, thank you for the plug. <laughs> and, and we're going to hear about that in our commercial break, which we're going to take, and we'll be back with you in just a few moments. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. All Metals and Forge Group manufactures open die forging in blocks, hubs, shafts, flanges, cylinders, 
gear blanks, and custom forge shapes, including seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, nickel alloys, copper and titanium for parts and assemblies in aerospace, oil and gas exploration, defense, machinery, transportation, shipbuilding, energy and power, pulp and paper, and many other industries. Visit steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit axpgold.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at axpgold.com. It's no secret that manufacturers are having trouble filling jobs. Now, with ThomasNet's new job board, help is on the way. For manufacturers, thomasnetjobs.com is the go-to resource to recruit new talent. Post your jobs and get in front of thousands of potential employees. Or, if you're looking for a new job or you want to reinvent yourself, thomasnetjobs.com offers exciting opportunities from the shop floor to the C-suite in supply chain management, engineering, production, or sales. Remember... ThomasNetJobs.com. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're back with uh, our guests, and we're talking about the uh, millennial issue. And I just want to go to you, Kevin, for a minute. Uh, I know that Karen uh, Norheim with American Crane has been working with their local high school. You've been working with the motorcycle shop. Are there any other schools or universities in your area, Kevin, that are doing anything to help solve this uh, millennial problem? You know, I can't answer that because I'm not that close to the school district. Uh, I saw where, you know, schools are trying to revive the vocational programs, and believe me, I'm all for it, and I'll help any way I can. We do have one college here that is teaching the manufacturing industry um, and then I just heard the other day that another one is starting and it'll be two years before they have any graduates from that we stay pretty close with them um, and see what they have you know for students and we try to get them before they even finish the school mm-hmm Okay, and and Karen, up in your area in Pennsylvania, other than Exeter High School, are there any other schools or universities that you're working with? Is Happy Valley too far away, or is uh, <laughs> anybody else? Well, since Happy Valley, up? since Penn State is my alma mater, um, ah. I, uh, and I and I also went to uh, so I went to Penn State main campus for my undergraduate work, and I I also went for graduate work at Penn State Great Valley. And uh, we've been working with them. It's very exciting. They've uh, created a new Bachelor's of Science called the Multiple Disciplinary Engineering Design Degree. And it's a combination of electrical, mechanical, and computer engineering. And they created a new engineering suite at their facility. It's like over 8,000 square feet. And they invested uh, well over, I think, like $3 million in the facility and a circuits lab and just all kinds of stuff. And so we've been helping out, advising, and, and, and trying to help them to engage other businesses in the area, recruit students, look at engaging high school students there, in addition to just their undergraduates that are coming through the program, supplying some cut steel when they need it for um, for the different, um, uh, you know, we donated, we're donating some plate steel to them so they can soup up some of their uh, machines that they have. And it's really exciting. But there's there's a lot. So there's Penn State, and we're also involved with um, uh, or 
I've also, as part of my investigation of the local area, um, we have a bunch of other stuff in the area like Careers in Two, which is the Greater Reading Economic Partnership, which is our uh, Greater Reading is um, it's like an economic group for the county that we're in. And they have this whole program where they have um, they actually plug in the in the movie theaters. They have ads for careers into and going to the technical schools in the area to get uh, skills and different different degrees. Saying that you know you can go to to one of these vocational schools, you can graduate and get a job right away, um, and you can go on, you know, get a great career. And then if you want to, you can build on that. You know, like us for here at American Crane. When when you if you come into us it's and, and you have let's say a two year associate's degree or whatever your skilled labor background is, you know we may we'll, we send you back to school. Our several of our um, uh, VPs came to us originally through a VoTech program and went back to school for full on engineering and then have moved their way up through the ranks. So kind of talking about how you know having those technical skills can be so valuable even if you plan on moving you know farther along. Um, in the in the you know in the company, um, and then there's there's Penn College, which is also associated with Penn State. It's a college up um, in the Wilkes-Barre area. They have um, a whole program where high school students can actually take college credits for their school in the high school, and they include classes such as welding, um, uh, machining, and other things like that. It's it's really exciting. Um, not to give you more, one more thing that I'll just throw in there. There's something in our area called What's So Cool About Manufacturing, and it's in the Lehigh Valley, um, which here in Pennsylvania, it's, it's probably about an hour from our plant. And they created a program, this Manufacturers Resource Center, where they call it What's So Cool About Manufacturing. They got a grant, and they um, used it for students to be involved in a contest where they create videos, and they try to show how cool manufacturing is by going into an actual facility such as Martin Guitars, which is located in the Lehigh area, and um, and promoting them for a contest and winning and do whatever. They have shown that their efforts with this video content and getting getting out into their community and working with the high schools and, and you know, working with the tech schools, they have a 36% increase in their enrollments in their different tech institutes in that area. So there are things that work. We just have to, you know, my big thing is to sort of, promote what I find and get it out there, get involved myself where I can and, and our company where we can. But there are things that are out there that, you know, all, all we have to do is sort of pick and choose, you know, how, where you can make an impact. But there, there are ways to solve this problem. Well, we're, we're glad to hear this happening. Um, Tim and I were, were introduced to a Dr. Chris Keel, who's an economist and an uh, economic analyst. And he was telling us that there were 700 or are 780 universities and colleges in this country that teach courses in movie reviewing and there's only about 70 or 80 schools that are teaching you know down and dirty manufacturing so uh, i'm glad to hear that uh, there's more things going on perhaps uh, that are, are, are need to come more to the surface so that uh, uh, more people are hearing about it and making it more available to those who need to hear about it. And but the we, key is those that are in manufacturing, those of us that are in manufacturing, we need to speak up about our passion, about what we do. We need to tell our kids. We need to tell our friends' kids. We need to go to, you know, mentor one person, talk to, you know, open your doors for uh, one event, and you'll, you'll be helping to make an impact. We, in order for more people to be, you know, for more of these programs to go out there and, and have success, we have to keep talking about why our industry is so great. It is a great industry to be in. Like, how awesome is it that you can make something, and you know, it, we, you, you start out with raw materials, and it turns into these incredible pieces of machinery. I mean, I'm speaking for my area, but I'm sure Kevin can say the same thing. It's so exciting to know like what you're making and building and where it's going, and there is such a sense of satisfaction we that passion that we have for what we do we must share absolutely uh, don let me ask you this the survey uh what else did the survey pick up i know we talked about the problem a lot did the survey begin to identify solutions and by the way and on a kind of a follow-up to that have we surveyed or has anyone begun to survey the millennials to ask them their perception of manufacturing just to maybe educate them a little about what's going on. I'll, I'll leave 
you with both questions. I think those are excellent questions and certainly happy to discuss them. I think that surveying the millennials is a fantastic idea. Maybe you are going to give us an idea for the next IMB. But in the meantime, what we did do is ask our current respondents what perceptions they felt millennials, younger people, do have of manufacturing. And very interestingly, nearly half of our respondents do feel that younger people still see manufacturing as blue-collar. And, of course, this really does get to the root of what Karen is saying, that we know that manufacturing is a fantastic place to be. We really need to make sure that if these perceptions are correct, that people see it still as blue-collar, that we show them otherwise. The other thing that we found is that there are some perceptions that perhaps exacerbate the challenge of getting millennials to come and be with us. 43% of the respondents believe that they lack the work ethic and the discipline to succeed in that in this industry, and that is a huge percentage. And especially because, as we keep saying, manufacturing is a great place to be, and it's an industry that increasingly aligns with millennials' value systems and with technology expertise. Our IMB also showed some interesting things. Uh, of course, as we all know, manufacturing has become a hotbed of technology, of innovation. And the people that we surveyed talked about the design and manufacturing software, the automation, the robotics, the 3D printing, all this technology that's intrinsic to today's jobs. And we also know that millennials as a group really want to make a social impact. And they can do that more and more in manufacturing. We were struck by how much emphasis there is and there is going to be, for instance, on sustainable technologies, green technologies, recycling, remanufacturing, and energy-related technologies like solar and wind. Our respondents said that these areas will have a significant impact on their companies in the next two years. So it would be interesting to survey the millennials, just as you say, and find out what do they think. Do they know that these things are happening in manufacturing? Do they know that in the manufacturing industry there are so many jobs where the salaries are better than average, including jobs where you do not need a four-year degree? I certainly agree with Karen that it is very exciting to be able to make a product and then see the product out in the marketplace. There's nothing uh, that is quite as fulfilling as being able to point to something and say, see, I helped make that. Uh, Kevin, what's your experience with, uh, with the millennials? I mean, do you see them as, as having a different work ethic, maybe not as desirable as a, a work ethic or are, are the guys that are com- guys and gals that are coming in to, to follow manufacturing, you know, ready to go and, and excited about what you're doing? I think at this point, from our experience, we've seen both ends of the spectrum. Um, you see some of the some of the millennials come in, obviously are intimidated by what they see, but very excited to learn it. Others, and for whatever reasons, it's it's probably all of our faults, but they come in and say, well, yeah, I'll do it but I want X amount of money, and it's way beyond what what anybody would expect to start a trainee at. So, you know, is it their fault? No, I think it's all of our faults. I think it's a result of, you know, some of the economy things that have happened, but we've seen both, both ends of the spectrum. Is this going to become a employee's market, if you will, where if I feel like I've got some talent, I can shop my around to various uh, manufacturers until I get the kind of money I want because there well, aren't that many of us to fill those roles? You know, it is today. I think it is right now, and we we see that here. Um, what it's come to, though, is I tell people, 
You know, you can probably chase a quarter, an hour around the valley forever and never be happy with where you work or what you do. So those people will continue to do that. The solid ones are happy with where they're at. The If they do a good job, as Karen said, you know, the, the money comes to you. I, I will say this. I was asked this question, would I do it all again? I've done it for 33 years. I came out of high school. I knew nothing. And I'm, I would absolutely do it. I would encourage people to do it. I've raised a family, bought house, cars, <clears throat> everything you need to make it in life. And, yes, over the years it was difficult at times. But in the end, I mean, today I am absolutely very happy with where I'm at, who I work for, and proud of what I do at this company. So, you know, it's, it's part of our problem, and Karen got it. We need to get that information out to people, and she's um, very, you know, very energetic about it, as I am. And, of course, Karen and I will be on tour real soon on this. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we go somewhere, uh, somewhere, I guess it's warm, right? You don't like the cold, so we got to just pick our destinations yeah, we just, well. It's we have to pick the right degree. time and the right places. <laughs> It's 35 <laughs> degrees in Vermont, so I, I, I don't know if you want to come up here. Uh, we're however, passing on that one right now. <laughs> however, uh, if there are those who might be listening to our show now or in the future and want to get in contact with either one of the two of you, uh, if you choose to, you can give us your email addresses uh, where they may be able to send a direct communication to you. So uh, if you will, uh, fire away. Karen, go ahead. Karen, what is Sure. You can uh, email me at Karen N, K-A-R-E-N-N, at AmericanCrane.com. And you can get a hold of me. It's K-Wolf, W-O-L-F-E, at Powell, P-O-W-I-L-L.com. And, Don, is there anything else that the survey brought out that we want to share with our listeners? Well, I would just encourage everybody to think about these important issues because they do affect all of our futures. Manufacturing does add something like $2 trillion to our gross domestic product. It's important for our economy, as we all know, and it's certainly important to all of us who love the industry. And so I would really encourage all of you, you listeners, to download our industry market barometer research to learn more and think about some ways that you can all reach out and encourage more people to give manufacturing a look as a great career. And our research is available at www.thomasnet.com forward slash IMB, and I'll say it again, www.thomasnet, T-H-O-M-A-S-N-E-T, dot com slash IMB. Lou, any final thoughts on this uh, subject before we begin to wrap up today's show? Well, I'd like to just to mention for those who did not listen to the beginning of the show uh, that in about an hour from now, an hour and a half from now, we will have this entire show uh, as a podcast on our website at mfgtalkradio.com. And uh, additionally, uh, next week's show, um, we are going to have uh, the Institute of Supply Management, uh, Brad Holcomb and Tom uh, Nieves, who is going to give us their 2015 forecast. Um, and those gentlemen don't like forecasting often because they said recently to us they don't like being wrong. But their forecast, they put a lot of time and effort, and they know the trends and so on, and they are going to be putting forth all of next year's forecast, which I'm sure we're all going to be looking at. And uh, we look forward to having that um, uh, session next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. Tim? Karen, I want to thank you for being a guest on our show again. We certainly enjoyed having you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And, Kevin, uh, again, 
and it's been terrific to have you on the show. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, Don, we certainly appreciate you stepping in for Linda. I'm sorry we didn't have her on the show, but uh, you've been a terrific guest and a great help. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure and happy to do it. Appreciate it, folks. Thank you very much. And and we'll uh, we'll wrap up today's Manufacturing Talk Radio, the voice of manufacturing globally, and look forward to having you on the air with us next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.